Hi there, and welcome to the Grief and Rebirth podcast. I'm your host, author and trauma survivor, Irene Weinberg, here to encourage you wherever you are in your healing journey. In each episode, I chat with incredible grief and trauma specialists, healers, mediums, and celebs, as well as remarkable people who have inspiring healing stories to share. If you're looking for a podcast that's both uplifting and inspiring, you've found it. Let us help you find your joy in life. Hi, everyone. A warm welcome once again to Grief and Rebirth Podcast. I am receiving so many favorable comments about these interviews, which makes me so very happy and gratified because it is the mission of this podcast to educate, enlighten, and to give all of you wonderful healing choices for your lives. Our truly extraordinary guest today is Isabella Johnson, an evidential certified medium, medical intuitive, grief recovery specialist, and remote viewer who has committed her life to providing healing and comfort to the bereaved. Isabella allows herself to be a pure channel for those in spirit who wish to have a continuing conversation or closure with their loved ones still in the physical. And as a medical intuitive, she can locate areas in the body where past or current trauma has manifested as illness and or disease and helps release the symptoms. Isabella is also able to see the soul, the highest point in our physical body, and reminds her clients of their true soul purpose in this lifetime. I can personally attest to the fact that Isabella brings incredible compassion and empathy to her readings with an approach that is matter-of-fact and non-judgmental. Having lost a child herself, Isabella's ability to reconnect parents with their children and other loved ones in spirit provides comfort, healing, and hope. She firmly believes that each of our souls survived the transition called death, will reunite again, and she endeavors to bring evidence that those in spirit are always with us. Isabella, it is such a pleasure to connect with you once again. The day a medium connected me with my deceased husband's soul, just two months after he died, changed my life. And 21 years later, you recently brought me new proof of survival and wonderful messages from Saul for which I'm so very grateful. So let's begin our interview today with this question, which will set the stage for what is to come. How does a medium become an evidential certified medium? Also, what is a grief recovery specialist and a remote viewer? Well, hi, thank you, Irene. It's it's lovely to see you again. So a little bit about how, first of all, I'll start with the certified medium. Um, For myself, I recently, well, about a year ago, was introduced to certified mediums through Mark Ireland and his organization. And what that process is like is we are blind tested with uh, a sitter. Someone will come in and we have no idea who that that person is or given no information about them. And my job is to do a reading for them with evidence of their loved ones in spirit. And we have to do that not one time or twice, but five separate times. Wow. We have to have a really high score to pass out and get to the next level. So that that is the certified part for myself with the evidence. Uh, I leave that to your loved ones. When what The information I have about my clients is usually a first name and, a, and the way they want me to contact them. 
And I just ask that whoever is in spirit, your loved ones in spirit, I see them physically as though I'm looking at, at yourself or myself. <clears throat> Pardon me. They come in and I'm able to describe them. They put their thoughts, memories, and emotions onto me. And my job is just to translate that back to you and provide a, a phone conversation or an in-person reading, so to speak. Just be that conduit for your loved ones in spirit. So the evidence that they give me is usually life experiences, the things that they love. Their personality always comes through. They, they sometimes want to make amends or just really reminisce on things that happened when we were together. Or oftentimes they talk about things that have happened since they've been in spirit. So this, I think I'm the luckiest person in the world to do what I do. That's amazing. And you bring such healing and help to so many people and comfort. Thank what you. is a grief recovery specialist and a remote viewer? Well, as a grief recovery specialist, um, I do have a, I, I am a grief therapist, but I don't have a private practice with that. I found that that works such, that, that just brings an extra bonus. And when we're dealing with someone who is going through the grieving process, no one is going to, to fit a mold for that, but there mm -hmm. are certain steps that most of us will hit. And my job mm -hmm. in that, in that role is really just to walk with you through the grieving process. When you are having a difficult day, I'm going to be there to remind you that maybe yesterday wasn't so bad. Just walking with you and carrying you through that grieving process. And as a remote viewer, uh, I work with several organizations. I want to tout one that I just absolutely love, Find Me organization. We work with- it's called Find Me? Findme.org, find me. We work with organizations, law enforcement organizations all over the world in locating missing people. Wow. Um, so a lot of work like that, remote viewing. Sometimes it's where are my earrings that my husband left me to where is my child who is missing? Uh, I've, I've had a lot of success in these areas and I enjoy it a great, great deal. And that's interesting because you see people will see that on TV or whatever, but it's real. People will it is contact. Real. And, and law enforcement at all is open-minded enough to well, contact the, you? Uh, the law enforcement goes through the agencies or agencies normally, and those cases are kind of handed out to each one of us. We're given a name sometimes, a photograph, and a last known location, and sometimes not even that. And our job is to locate that person wherever they might be and, and bring them home, whether it is physically home or, or sometimes, unfortunately, the remains. Are, we're oh able God. to bring closure to the family. So our contact with law enforcement is, is limited in some cases, although I have had several where they do come directly to me or the family will contact me and, and ask me to intercede. And, and law enforcement, I, I respect that they are skeptical, but that usually lasts until we have some recovery uh, of something. So it's, it's getting bigger and better, and I think it's becoming a little bit more widely accepted. So they, so that organization, Find Me, actually has people like you who are able yep. to do that. Mediums all over the world. Um, and, and we are a nonprofit organization. We don't charge anything for that. There's no fees for that. Um, and there are several other groups that, that I do this for, but Find Me is just very close to my heart. Um, and the law enforcement, like I said, the leader of the Find Me organization, he is ex-law enforcement himself. So he comes in with that kind of mindset. And depending on who he assigns the case to, we just locate that person. As best that as is can. fascinating. And you also have a formal education in grief? I do. I do. I have a degree in therapy. I'm a therapist, but I, I do not have a private practice. And that is not something I spend so many hours a day, 12 to 15 hours a day working with clients that I find that's where I can be of most service is that, that first stop of, of giving validation and evidence that your loved ones continue 
long after the physical body. And that's really the only part of them that's no longer here is the physical. They are with us always, always. And that's fantastic. What a fantastic combination. So for people who are a little scared of woo-woo, you also have the traditional background and you're also able to do this, which is wonderful. What inspired you? How'd you get your start being a medium? And how for (laughs) those of our people who aren't, who aren't that familiar with this, but want to learn more, how do you provide a conversation with heaven? How does that happen for you? Well, I'll start with your first question. I was born, I thought everyone, everyone in the world saw what I saw. And I think I was about seven or eight years old when I realized not everyone saw uh, people in spirit following those that were here living. So for me, it was a little adjustment. My mother is gifted. My grandmother is gifted. So I was in a very supportive environment growing up with this. And I remember um, professionally how I began this. Um, We had a neighbor growing up who was a a reporter on television. And there was a case uh, where where a couple of children were missing. And as a 13-year-old girl, I just said, well, there's the children right there. And this is where they were and gave all the information. So really, it happened kind of in an off-the-cuff way that was completely unexpected for me. And um, then I was about 18, and I've just begun to do this professionally since then. This has been the only job that I have ever had. Well, you're so wonderful at it. You're so gifted. What a blessing. And you started on TV at 13 years old. No, well, not television. My neighbor, our neighbor was a reporter, and I remember overhearing her talking with my parents about a, a local case that was going on. And I just walked in and, and gave some information, and it turned out that it was valuable, incredible enough that they were able to... I think it attributed in addition to the police work with this person being captured. And since then, it's just kind of snowballed. And I've been so fortunate to not have a lot of skepticism around what I do because those in spirit provide such strong evidence beyond, you know, uh, your grandmother loves you, which, which all grandmothers do. They just really talk about everything that was important to them, conversations that were private between just the two of you, little things that no one could possibly know. They know. And, and for me, I give them a voice. I absolutely, I am just their voice. Do they come through as a vibration in your, no, in your head? Or you see them? I physically see people outside of myself. I Most of the time I work from my home office, but I love to travel and do groups, readings, you know, private readings in other people's homes or in a group environment. But I, if I, let's say I'm at home, like I am now in my group office, and I really just did hang up with a client, that person had several people coming through. So I had five or six people in spirit in my office and could describe them and we're just providing their voice for, for this client. That's, Do they that's usually the, present themselves as younger or are they? No, I see them as you would recognize. I asked in my little opening, my little prayer before I begin, I asked that God, I call God love. So I just ask that love be with me and be with my client. And that only those that are in my word, heaven come through and they just begin to walk in, just kind of manifest. And they look exactly as you would remember them. Uh, if someone had been sick, perhaps they, they will just acknowledge that or show me a little glimpse of, of, of that. And then after that, they'll go to, let's say, your 50-year-old grandmother that passed. Well, hopefully that doesn't happen to anyone. But, you know, whatever age they were, that's how I'll see them, describe them. I will also begin to feel the way that they transitioned. Um, that's kind of the physical part of this. I know I'm not a traditional physical medium, but I do say that I physically not only see your loved ones, but I'm able to feel what their life experiences were as well. Too. Well, for me personally, the, the, all the identifier for me always is when my, my husband had an unbelievable sense of humor and you, you caught it right he away. Very funny. I he mean. was, he's hilarious. And if somebody gets his sense of humor, which nobody can 
you know, know how he related and the way he was. And when they get that, I know that it's really him and you got it right on. Right. It was great. Well, I can't take credit for this. I mean, it, it is, it is a wonderful gift to have, but it's like saying, how, how in the world do you have such an amazing arm? This is truly just a part of, of who I am. And they do all of the work. I'm able wow. to work so many hours because it is not draining or exhausting to me. They want to talk. They want to come forward and let everyone know that they're still here, that they're still with us. And that they, that bond, that connection between us, that love, it, it absolutely just Gross. expands. People need to know that. So even if you have a loss, it's not that you've lost them. It's even growing oh, when, while they're on the other right. side. Absolutely. That's so important. Can you tell us about the process that allows you to be a pure? Well, you just sort of described the process that allows you to be a pure channel for those in spirit. Do those in spirit ever not want to have a conversation and closure or are they always very eager? Most of them are very eager. Now, sometimes I'll have, because I do work so often with parents, unfortunately, you know, I, I lost a child at quite a young age. Sometimes I'll have a child or someone who perhaps was not, you know, and, and more of an introvert in life. And that personality trait comes forward. It is, it, it is almost unheard of. I think I can count on one hand the amount of times I've had to kind of coax or urge someone in spirit to, to be verbal with me. If they're not particularly verbal, they'll begin to show me little vignettes or movies or scenes of, of things that were important in their life. Usually everyone loosens up. Um, this is a very unique thing that's it's a rather recent, um, I'd say in the last 10 or 15 years, especially now doing the work that I do with parents, if there is a grandparent or someone elder than the child in spirit, they'll come forward first and kind of check me out, so to speak. I, I believe to them, I kind of- Protective on that side as they on this side. Very protective. <laughs> what, what is your business here and how can we help you? And then once I've established a report with them, then the others begin to come through. And, and it's just amazing. I've had very specific questions asked by, by clients. You know, what was this tattoo? What did that child do at three years old? And, and they come forward with the answers. They wow. really, it, it seems to be most important to them that we know that this is them, that this is real, and that we will be reunited again, that we've really never had a separation other than the physical. They body. just lost their physical. Now, what if it's a little infant? They obviously don't speak. The parents, I, the parents I have, have lost this child. How has that child communicate? Well, there's two things. That's a really good question, Irene, and I really, I'd like to address that. So for me, when I see, I do have a sign for, let's use miscarriage or termination. If someone has, has had a loss that way, to me, that looks like the bright end of a torch or a flashlight, just that, that beaming light, and it has a little heartbeat in it. And I remember I was about 14 or 15 and had seen this so often. Um, I'm asking, what, what, what are you showing me? And they said, this, this was a, a soul that just needed this very short amount of time to come in, just have that experience of, of life for six weeks, eight weeks, 30 weeks, whatever, and, and then that's all they needed. So we're really the vessel for them. Now, if it's a child that wasn't particularly verbal, maybe it was a toddler or an infant, they come in and, and tell me a little bit about their personality. Their main focus seems to be on the people around them, their relationships. They describe their mother, their father, their siblings. If there was any toy or blanket that, that was particularly used with them or, or what happened after they passed as far as what was saved, what seems to be sentimental or important to the parents. And again, you know, there, when we cross into spirit, we, we have this self-awareness, the self-actualized part of ourselves. So yes, you may present to me as a, a toddler or a six-month-old, 
but I'm going to have all the knowledge that you've ever possessed in every lifetime. And that's available to me as well. Wow. That's so amazing. And so interesting for our listeners. Isabella, where in each person is the soul located? And what does it mean to be able to read someone's soul? And then I have a follow-up for that. And is our soul purpose chosen when we plan our next lifetime? Can you give us both some large and small examples of what could be a person's true soul purpose? I mean, there are people listening to this who don't know they have a soul, perhaps, and don't know they have a soul purpose. Right. Well, if we're here, if you have a body, you have a soul. Um, For myself, when I see people uh, here in the physical that actually are here physically, uh, I, I don't see facial features with them. That, that's something that I've just never been, I can't describe what you look like. I, I really am not very sure what I look like. To me, when I say I see your soul, I see, I guess, the, perhaps the aura or the energy that we each emanate. Um, and then instantly, it's, if it's downloaded, why you were here, what, what lessons you've chosen to learn here, what's the purpose of you being here, where is that, where is the soul? I, I think it's, it surrounds us. It is the highest part of ourself. And and each one of us carry that around with them. There are some souls that, that are a little more dim than others. And I think we all encounter that some parts of our life. We might be grieving. We might have had a loss. We, we might just need a lifetime where we need struggles or need to know what depression or, or mental illness or addiction feels like. Um, but, but we can connect. We each have a soul and a higher soul. Our higher self is, is, I think, in spirit always. And a part of that comes down to experience the physical life. So people don't understand that, but as I understand it, our master soul is always on the other side, but there's a, like a slice of it that comes it to us that's with us, and it, it carries that aura. Thank around. you, Irene. That's much better than I, I explained it, but absolutely. That's, that's how I understand that's it? Ab- absolutely correct. Now, someone could come into this lifetime with a sole purpose just to learn how to love, or someone else could come into this lifetime with a sole purpose that they're going to accomplish something amazing in this lifetime, they're coming for that. And it could be, from my understanding, correct? Absolutely. And we, I think today with media the way that it is and television being so so important in everyone's life, everyone thinks their purpose or the, their sole purpose needs to be grand or, or famous or infamous even. Some of the, you know, and we feel as if we failed, if, if we haven't achieved these certain goals. No, oftentimes your, your purpose is really just to learn how to love or to love others to be, take care of others, to, for kindness. Some people need to learn how to be teachers or, or, or embrace that part of themselves. And, and we will often have numerous purposes or, or soul reasons our soul came to be here during a lifetime. I, one of my purposes is a mother, but it's not my only purpose. One of my purposes is a wife, but that's not my only purpose. We each come in with many lessons that we want to experience. And, and even if we feel here that someone passed early, this is a question I get asked so very often when someone loses a child or, or someone before they think it's time, did they really get to complete everything? Well, it, it, there's two things I think we can't change, our birth and then when we transition. And when you transition, you've completed every single thing your soul came here to do. And that awareness is there the second the soul crosses. So, so a person can manifest and they can manifest and they're only going to, their, they just want to experience being born or something. That's their sole purpose. That's their sole purpose. And then they leave, like, whenever, you know, could leave very quickly, but it could be, that could be, it could be something that simple. And, that and they let's plan. say that happened, correct. Let's say that happened and that, that's, that was their sole purpose, but perhaps it was also the sole purpose of the mother who carried that child for only a short amount of time to learn love, to learn compassion, to learn forgiveness. To, to learn how to 
work out difficulties in a relationship. There are a myriad of reasons why a soul would choose wow. to come in. And the lessons are rarely, if ever, only for them alone. My decisions and choices and lessons will affect everyone in my circumference, every person that's in my soul group. So I need to make sure that, that I'm always doing my best so that others get the best part of me as well, too. I can totally understand that. And how helpful what you do, because someone who loses a child, for instance, is like crying, hysterical, right. all upset. Then suddenly they talk to you and they get like so much of a higher perspective. It must be very comforting for them. And, and we, everyone in spirit, their vibration is very high. They cannot, it, it's very difficult for them to come down. Now they do experience and are aware of our emotions when we're grieving. They acknowledge that. They acknowledge the pain, the anger, the depression that comes along with this sometimes as well too. They feel that and they know what that's going to be like for us. But their energy and their vibration is so high. They can just have an awareness of it. They don't actually experience that kind of grief and pain. And yes, oftentimes it is very healing when I hang up with a client or, or leave a, a, a group reading or something like this. Everyone feels a lightness and, and there is just a feeling of we know there is more. We've, we've spoken with our loved one. We've had that conversation. And sometimes that lasts for a lifetime and sometimes it lasts several months and, and either one are okay. Whatever it is, whatever right. it is meant it to helps. be and how you choose to... Right. What you choose to do with it. Let's talk about being a medical intuitive. You can locate areas in the body where past and current trauma manifests as illness and or disease, and you help to release the symptoms. Can you explain this to our listeners? I think you're going to be barraged by people calling you. And how is your work as a medical intuitive compatible or not with the medical community? Well, uh, so let me describe the medical intuitive part. Let's say I have a client and I'm I, I just even hearing their voice. I'm able to visualize their soul and I go down the, the back part of their body first and I'll feel any kind of emotional past traumas. That seems to be where it congregates is, is on the back part of our body, from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet. And I will be able to tell if there was trauma in childhood and kind of what age and what the symptoms are this going to be. And then I'll start back at the top of the head again and I'll go down and, and illness or disease appears to me to be darkness on certain parts of the body. And I'll be able to just send energy to that part of the body. And sometimes it does involve many sessions with the client, allowing them to release trauma or anger or any emotions. Perfectionism is a big one that, that we tend to carry that, that actually brings disease to us. So just able to see that and have those conversations and help clients release those, those uh, past pains um, brings wellness. And the medical community, the, the physicians that are aware of what I do, and a, a few of them have been open enough to use me and to send clients my way, we've had a tremendous amount of success. And, and health is, there's a homeostasis that we all want to get to. I, I'm able to remove and unblock pain in certain areas. That, that's not a very difficult thing to do at all. But getting to the root cause and, and having it not return, that requires a little bit more attention and for the client to do some deep soul work as well too. Which is one of the reasons I started this podcast because I want people to know they don't have to suffer. Right. And they can get to the root causes of what is of their health issues or whatever. Right. Here are all your options. You don't have to be stuck, you know? Right. So that's, and that's I always so great. ask that they, you know, a medical doctor it plays a very important role in this. I do not replace that. That is not, right. that is not something I do. I am not a medical doctor. I am a medical intuitive. My job is very, very different. I, I approach this 
looking at the soul and where can we fix this from your soul? Where can we fix this to allow you to, to have no pain, to have a better quality of life and to enjoy everything around you? It almost you. sounds like a partnership. If someone is very, is. very ill, they can be doing their medical thing, but if they want to add what you can do to that, it probably speeds up the process of healing. It really does. I work with several, a, a lot of people that are dealing with cancer and I'm able to release some of the trauma and the pain and the fear that's associated with that word. That's a scary word. Um, so just bringing them to better health and, and I make no claims that I can cure anyone. Um, I, that, that's not what I do. I work with you to release the, the trauma and the pain and the fear and that usually brings on a healing. Right. Well, I, I, once again, people have their own choices. Right. Of how, they, of how they're going to work with it and all that. I completely understand that. You often say that people who have crossed over have graduated. I understand what that means, but how about telling, sharing that with our listeners? Sure. Well, I believe that we do a pre-birth plan before we come here. We make agreements with the people in our soul group, and those people would usually be parents, siblings, spouses, children, aunts and uncles even sometimes can play a very major role in this. Friends would have an agreement to be in our soul group. And and we decide all of the lessons that we want to learn. And we view them as lessons over there, unlike when we get here and we view them as hurdles or difficulties or problems. And we go through life and some of these things would be very pleased with the way we handled it. And as soon as we get to the other side, we'll realize, oh, wow, I made that so difficult. This was supposed to be so easy. It was really just a learning experience. It's as if we graduated and now we have our diploma, our degree in our hand, and, and we've made it home. And at that point, oftentimes I have a lot of clients, I don't ever want to do this again. And it's real funny how many times we get there, we go, oh, I could have done this slightly different. Let's try it again. So it, it, it's sort of like you have to go back graduation. to school. It's sort of like it you is. have to repeat the grade. Right. And <laughs> if you didn't learn what you set out to learn the first right. time around. Or we'd like to do it differently. We want to experience the other side of that. So perhaps I was the one with illness in this lifetime. Next lifetime, I'd like to be someone that was a caretaker of someone going through this. So we tend to stay with soul groups, but we don't always tend to stay in the same roles that we have in this lifetime. But it is a graduation. That's what I want my children. When I, when I go to the other side, I want to party because I've made it home. I've graduated. I've completed it. You know, I've put through that order too, and I want it with champagne. Right. To Thank you. Yes. <laughs> I'm not ready for it to be tomorrow, but when it comes, I know that I'll have done everything I needed to do. I look at this as this is uh, school and that's home. Right. It, right? I, I agree. Uh, you had an, a near-death experience that you say was very inspiring <laughs> and you call it the most spiritual experience in your life. Can you tell us about that? Absolutely. Um, so I have a brain tumor and this is something that every year I go and get an MRI, get it screened. It's inoperable. It, it's fine. It, I don't want anyone to worry about it. It's just it's benign. there. And um, so this one year, uh, I think it was about eight years ago, I was getting the MRI, about to lay down on the, the table, and I just had this feeling something was not going to go the way that it should here. Um, the dye was injected into my arm, and I was slid into the machine, and if anyone has had this, you know, you can't move, you're not supposed to move, you have to be very still. So as soon as they slid me in, my throat began to close up, I felt myself leaving my body. and I came out of it, my, my body, and I remember coming out at the top of my head. That, that was a very interesting awareness that I had. Wow. And looking down back at my body and thinking, how in the world could all of this, meaning my soul, fit into something so small? I had a complete detachment with that physical body. 
And then instantly I was able, I was with my children and I had this download of information that their, of what their lives was going to be. It was just as if I had remembered everything we'd agreed to. I saw my husband at the time. I, I, I saw, I was told that he's going to be here a few more years and he'll join me. And then instantly after that, I was fully in spirit and I was with my daughter face to face who, who had been in spirit 11 years before that. And it was as if our conversation picked up where it had just ended. I knew I was home. I, I felt nothing but love, just pulsated, pulsated with love and bliss. Love is such an overrated word. There is nothing in any language that could describe the feeling that I experienced in spirit. And I will tell you what's very interesting. I didn't want to leave. And my children were younger and I had every, you know, I was, I was a much younger woman. And if you think about it, if you've lost a loved one and we've asked, why didn't they try to come back? I completely understand now why you would want to stay there. Very quickly, I was told, you've got to leave. You've got to leave. It's not your time. I was shown what I would continue to do with my life. And I was still fighting at that point. No, no, no. It's, it's too perfect here. I don't want to come back. And then I began to see myself kind of going backwards. And I saw my husband and then my children and then pop right back into my body. There was no pain when I left my physical body, but going back into it, that, that was not so pleasant. And I just remember telling everyone, if that happens again, do not resuscitate me. Well, it did happen again. There was another minute, the same scenario, and I came back. And it, it forever changed me because I am, even through what I do, I am a skeptic. I have someone that does all of my scheduling because I need this to be real. I need my daughter to be there. I need my husband to be there. There's so many people that I no longer have here too. So I was such a skeptic that this could really be as real as everyone in spirit was saying until that happened to me. Wow. And now, now I have no doubt. No doubt. No, not at all. It was a beautiful experience. Beautiful. Wow. How many children do you have on this side, Isabella? Six. Six? You've Six. been a busy lady. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and then I do have a daughter in spirit. So, wow. it, you know, even with all of that and, and especially dealing with parents who oftentimes we we don't necessarily don't want to die. We just don't want that pain any longer. We, we miss our child. We want to be with our child. Even having that experience, I still had no desire to come back here to the physical. And I had everything in the world to come back here to and for. And I didn't want to come back. Wow. So, you know, please know that if your loved ones had a choice, I believe their choice would just be to stay See, where they are. I've heard that a lot. I've heard that many times. Um, was this a terrible physical thing that happened to you when they put you in for that MRI? No, no, no. I just, I began to feel my throat closing up. I began to feel hot and as if I, it was an allergic reaction. I had oh. anaphylactic shock. So, okay. and no one was aware of it, but I can tell you as I was over my body, I, I could, I could verbatim tell you what the technicians were saying. You know, they were talking about my brain and how the tumor had grown or changed. And these were all medical terms I had no familiarity with. I was aware of conversations everywhere around me. I was aware of being a thread in the universe. And my part was so important, just as everyone else's was. It was nothing short of magical and the most spiritual experience I think anyone could have. Wow, that is amazing. So thank you, Isabella. We're going to take a quick break now to allow a minute for our sponsors who keep this podcast free for our listeners. We'll be right back into my fascinating chat today with Isabella Johnson. Let's continue on with this question. Isabella, please share your experience with an angel after your husband transitioned. And for those who are unsure, what exactly is an angel? And how can we know they are around us? 
Well, I, that's a that's a really good question. Um, before I lost my husband, I was just aware that there were angelic beings that could kind of come to our rescue. That and there's a hierarchy of, of angels, and I really hadn't given much interest to that because my my familiarity, my day to day, is with people and spirit. And the day that my husband passed, I I went in complete shock. I I was denial. This could not be real. And I believe that I I fainted. And I rem next thing I remember, it was like very sudden, very it was unexpected, very sudden, very unexpected. And I remember the next thing I remember is I'm in my house and there's three EMTs there with me. One was one was to my right, one was in front of me, and there was one sitting to my left on a on a couch. And I there was a um, blood pressure cuff on, and someone was taking my pulse, and and my I, I kept on being directed to look at the person on my left, and he kept on saying my name, Isabella, Isabella. And finally, I looked at him and gave him my attention. I said, you know, what? What do you want? I said, this is none of this is real anyway. So what is it that you want? And he said, I want you to listen to me very carefully. And I want you to make me a promise. And at this point, I'm still complete shock. And I said, sure, I'll make you a promise, whatever you want. And he said, you are going to want to die. You're going to feel like you're going to die. Your heart is going to feel like you're breaking. He said, but I want you to promise me you're going to stay here. No matter what, you have to stay. And I was dismissive of him, but sure, of course, this isn't real. None of this is happening. This is all just a very bad dream. And I, my next memory was of being led into my bedroom and, and the next day happened. Well, I, he was absolutely right. That, that EMT, he, I, I grieved like I didn't know was possible. It had been you know, 20 years since I'd lost my daughter. And this was such a big hit to me, losing my husband. Um, but I, began to survive. And I wasn't happy about that. I didn't want to be here. But every time I got to the point, well, maybe I could just let myself get sick and, and then cross. Maybe this, I would remember my promise to that EMT. So it got very close to the year anniversary of my husband being in spirit. And I was healing. And I was beginning to find joy and purpose again in life. And I really accounted that to that EMT making me make that promise. So I thought, you know what, I, I really need to call and thank them. Because if he had not have said that, I don't know that I would be here, Irene. Honestly, I, I don't know that I would have done that. So I called the, the EMTs and I said, I don't know if you remember me, but my name is Isabella Johnson and you were here on this date. There were three of you here. And, and they said, hold on a minute. And I was on hold for a few minutes. And uh, when the phone picked up again, there was a male and a female. And they said, we remember you, Mrs. Johnson, but but you know, we remember that day, we remember coming out, but we don't come out in threes. We come out in pairs of twos. Wow. And I said, well, wait a minute. Who was that man that had on an EMT uniform? He was with you. And they said, well, we saw him. I said, did you hear what he said? And they said, yes, we, we heard him say that you, you are going to want to die and you promised him you were going to want to live. And they said, we thought he was with you. And I said, I thought he was with you. And we were all very quiet, very quiet for a minute. And I'm now tearing up and, and I can hear the, the female EMT kind of doing the same. And we all said, do you think that was an angel? And we all kind of walked away from that pretty sure that that was the way that angel showed up in my life. And no one knows where he went. No one knows why he was there. He just showed up. And, and I really believe that's why I'm here today. That's a wonderful story. That is a wonderful yeah. story. Um, are there any special insights, and you've been giving us a lot of them, but is there anything in particular that you've learned as a medium and a healer that you'd really like to share with everyone? Something that 
a little out of the ordinary or something that will be a real wow, aha uh -huh, for everyone, either how people transition or what it's like over there or whatever you'd like to share. Sure. Well, I think there are a couple things I'd, I'd like to mention. The first one is, you know, no matter, I deal with people that have transitioned every way you can imagine. And, and I'll go back to the law enforcement work that I do. Some of those transitions we would think would be very painful or uncomfortable or our loved one would have been afraid or suffered. And some people are with their loved ones when they do transition and they might be afraid. Are they in pain? Are they suffering? I have never had anyone in spirit come through and go, oh my gosh, that was a very painful death. They, they talk about quite the opposite. They talk about the freedom and the release and the awareness that they are home. They are back where they came from. It's as if, like you said earlier, we've graduated. Um, they are full of love and compassion and they have a deep understanding of our pain as well too. And when we're grieving, there is never a time like that ever in our lives that we will be as introverted and as aware of mortality and, and the, the things in our life where we wish we could have done differently. If you use grief wisely, like those in spirit say, if you use this to your benefit, you will walk away a, a changed person for the better. It, it gives you an opportunity to change things in your life. If you're not happy with the path, you've got a realization that life is finite here in the physical. We don't have forever. Um, if you're struggling with, did you ever experience love? Well, my gosh, look at your grieving. Look at how that feels and, and know that that's reciprocated a million times by those in spirit. Everyone in spirit sends love. They are loved. There is nothing bigger than love. That is what this is all about. What if someone's been a really bad, nasty person on this side? What happens to them? Well, I will say this about the other side or heaven. I, I'll use heaven. That's my favorite word to call it. Um, like attracts like. And there are certain levels uh, of the afterlife that we can find ourselves on. They're all with God, so to speak. They're all, they're all in the same place. But if I'm a really negative, pessimistic person that's hurt others and, and did so consciously, um, my where I start out in the afterlife is not going to be where like a Mother Teresa is starting out. So I would have to get rid of a lot of baggage. I'd have to do a large life review, so to speak. I'd really have to deal with myself in a way that probably if I had done it here, I'd have a different experience in the afterlife. Um, I've never seen any place that mimics a real fire and damnation place. It, it is That to me is the turning away from God or whatever you choose to call where we've come from. That's rare. Most of us are, all of us are bombarded with that feeling of love. If we choose to accept it, our experience is amazing. And 99.999% of us choose to accept that, mm -hmm. regardless of religion or no religion, regardless of thought, behavior, word, or deed, we are met with love and compassion. So even those that may have appeared to have a, a difficult life or cause pain, they, they almost always, in my experience, they've always turned their heart toward the, the love and the good. And they want to heal. Well, my own father was very abusive when I was growing up. And he has come through, he came through you gangbusters. Right. He's often coming through to tell me that as I heal, he is often also healing. Right. So how does that work? Do people continue to heal after they've crossed over? They with or with, am I helping him cheat by being around no. me with all no. the healing that I'm going through and all the people no. I'm talking to that he's sort of like moving along? Like, he's, how does this work, Isabella? Well, not only, so when we're here, we're, we're very egotistic 
purpose-driven beings. I'm going to be very focused on my behavior and how it affects me. And that's just human behavior. When we go to spirit, we not only experience our behavior and, and feelings and thoughts and words and deeds, but we have, to, we have an awareness and an actual experience of how my actions affected you. So I'm going to have to feel everything that you felt when I was in your company. Everything that I made you feel, I have to experience that. And for some people, the damage lasts a lifetime and then to another lifetime. If you had an abusive father, perhaps you would be an abusive parent yourself. And that trickle down effect just goes on and on and on. If we stop it, if we say, no, I'm going to work on forgiving, I'm going to work on loving, I'm going to work on never being like that again, it not only helps them, but they do, it releases them so that they can forgive themselves and they're aware that, okay, I did this, this was my behavior, I am shamed of it, this is not something I'd ever like to, to do again, but I can see that there is something good coming out of this. There is always a shining star so to speak there's there's always a rainbow in this if we allow it to be there so are you helping him cheat no i would say that you're just a generous kind-hearted soul that that has compassion for someone that probably didn't deserve it and what a gift what a gift or in spite of having him as a father you're able to love and shine yeah i i have to say and i've done so much healing um it came as a very big surprise the first time i met with a uh one of the first times i met with someone and my father came through because i would never invite him to come through, right. which told me that this is real. And there was just no doubt that it was him. And every time he comes through, he thanks me for what I'm doing. Now, I'm working with him and I'm in this place, but he has other children who are not in the place that I am. So so he's got to struggle with that piece with them, right? He absolutely does until they heal, if that ever happens. And anyone that their behavior affects because of his, his actions, words, or deeds, this this is it's as dropping a stone in a lake it doesn't just fall to the bottom there are ripples with every word action and deed that we do even our thoughts create those so you know I, we come in here to the physical and we've come from this place there's nothing but bliss and love and we come here fully aware and and assured of we are this little spark of divinity we are a little piece of god and instantly we come into this cold sterile place as soon as we're born and we're whacked on the bottom and Maybe your mom is not excited about having you and there's impersonal people around you. You are beginning to absorb the way everyone else perceives you and take that on as your identity, forgetting very quickly, oh my gosh, no, I am this little piece of the divine. Um, so I think one of the jobs that I do is to remind people who they truly are. That's part of seeing someone's soul is just reminding you, you are this person that came from God. You are this person that came from love and that's all you could ever truly be. If you're having a different experience than that, take a look at it and let's see what we can do to, to help you feel better. So with, you, with your situation in particular, if, if there's a sibling that's still struggling, that's between your father and, and, and that sibling. And, and there will have to come a meeting of the mind, so to speak, whether it happens here, which is what we want, or happens there. Everything is balanced out. It's balanced out. So I'm probably, my karma with my father is probably ended because completed absolutely it's completed where yes. it may not be with the other siblings which is very interesting for people to know because i'll often hear people say i don't understand how this or that sibling processes and what they think but that's their journey right and, it, and, and, and we are it is agreed and we are supposed to have that journey think about it that the analogy of 
having an elephant in the room and we're all seated around, we're all going to describe a different part of that elephant, but it's still an elephant. Right. We're all going to have different experiences with everyone. I may love someone and you go, oh, I can't imagine what you would see in them because of your experience with them. That's amazing. That's really true. Tell us about the book you're writing. What prompted you to start writing it? Well, I, st- I began to write the book the year the first after the first year after I lost my husband and it is a very raw book about what grieving feels like it's honest and it's ugly and it it is something that those that I've shared it with so far have really been touched by the vulnerability that it puts out there grief is grief is brutal it's absolutely a time where we are stripped raw and I just shared that with everyone and the interesting part about this is I didn't include very much about me being a medium with this because I was able, I, I am very acutely aware that my grief is vastly different than most people's because almost instantly I could see my husband and know that he was okay. I could see my child. I could see friends and other loved ones. I knew that they were okay, but it, I still had to grieve. So that's really what this is about. And I'm just finishing up some final edits and I'm, I'm excited to share it with those that are in that spot of, I don't know if I can make it. And I don't know if this is normal. And why do I have this feeling? I experienced them all and, and, and shared it. That's wonderful. That's a great. How can our listeners connect with you? Because now they all want to connect with you. So how do they connect with you? And if they'd like to have a session with you, I mean, you must have social media. They might, you know, if they want to have a session with you, how does that work, Isabella? Right. Well, I have an assistant that does all of that. Like I said at the beginning, the most that I will ever have is your first name and how you want me to contact you. Um, You can go to Facebook. Uh, If you're on Facebook, it's Isabella Johnson, the soul reading medium, or on um, the internet. I still call it the Google. I I am not a technology person. It's at the soulreadingmedium.com. Okay. Um, And what is your tip on finding joy in life, Isabella? Really just remembering that this is temporary and that it's a school. I love that you brought that up. We are here to learn. Um, I believe that we've been here many times, some of us. I believe that this is a place that should be familiar to most of us. And realizing that eternity is, is can you even imagine eternity? I, I truly can't. So this lifetime is really just not even the blink of an eye before we'll be back there again. Keeping that in mind, keeping joy in our heart and keeping our vibration as high as we can, that's where you find the most peace. And And truly, letting things go it your opinion of me is none of my business my job is just to love you that is the best thing that you could say your opinion of me is none of my business <laughs> some people are very free with their opinions well that's and they should have them but it, it's none of my business i have to remind myself it's your experience that's the way you're going to view me i'm going to love you regardless of no how you feel what. about me that's wonderful Thank you so much, Isabella, for being on Grief and Rebirth podcast today. You are a true gift to countless souls, both on this side and the other side. I'm very much looking forward to having you back to talk about your new book after it's published. And as I often like to say, to be continued. Many blessings and bye for now.